Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. Okay, so we're we're into attachment styles. We talked about secure last time. Today we're going to talk about the anxious or uh, preoccupied attachment style. Which has been my primary one for many years. Um, no, I... I'm now more secure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Just kidding, guys. Yeah. No, I. No. My favorite. Some of my favorite people have an anxious attachment style. So because you can watch them, it's so funny, right? (laughs) No, I. I think anxious. I feel like is a pretty. I mean, they're all really common, obviously, because I think they're pretty equally distributed. But anxious is a pretty common one, especially working with teens, you learn anxious very quickly. Um, unless there's been like a huge trauma, we'll talk about avoidant in another episode, but usually anxious is the one I see for my teenagers because it's, again, it's what's anxiety come from not knowing, right? How could you not feel anxious as a teenager? The time in your life, you want to look the best nature says you'll look the worst. Yeah. As we're saying this, it's important to understand you can have like a secure attachment with your primary caregiver and you can feel anxious attachment with your friends or your dating partner or those kinds of things. And so a lot of people who might have secure attachment in one relationship might feel anxious in another. And so it's not like, oh, once I've securely attached, I've securely attached to every living being in the world. It Mm -hmm. just means I know how to do it. And that is something I'm aware of how to do it. But everyone has an anxious attachment. Or because I have grown up in a secure world, I something's obviously wrong with me if I'm anxious. It's I like what you're saying, Jen. It it can it can happen to anyone. To to well, clarify what you were saying, Jen, everyone has anxiety in our attachment, not that everyone has an anxious attachment yes, style. Yes, I saw I heard that big generalization coming out. But I felt really securely attached to my parents growing up but was highly anxious because of the bullying and rejection I got at school and with peers. Mm -hmm. And so I actually formed some pretty secure attachments with adults and caregivers, but then I had a lot of peer attachments that were very focused in anxiety. And it took me some time to be able to find secure peer attachments. So where a secure attachment style is characterized by having low anxiety and high intimacy, An anxious attachment style is characterized by having high anxiety and high intimacy. Mm -hmm. It's like that, we would call it like hugging. We would call it like kind of just that idea of like, you know, in order to feel like everything's okay, I need to be right by that person, right? So that's kind of when we're talking about high intimacy, it doesn't also mean just like sexual. We're talking about just in general, like that high, like intimate moment. We have to have deep conversations. It can be all the range of intimacy. Oh, you're bagging my groceries. Let me tell you about this time when I was 12. Yeah. Yeah. You were nice enough to bring it to my car. That must mean that, right? They're in, invested in wanting to know that. So. And they need a lot of reassurance, right? Even if you have mm-hmm. a healthy relationship, they'll need a lot of reassurance to say, we're okay. You're safe in this relationship. I still love you. I still care about you mm-hmm. um, in doing that. And so, People who have an anxious attachment style are very sensitive 
um, almost like an extra spidey sense for any time that we're not in reassurance. It's not always that there's a problem per se, but if we're not actively reassuring the relationship, they, their anxiety may start to climb. Yeah. Agreed. So being in a relationship with an anxious partner, often I think an adequate, well, let, let me just be honest. I think being in a relationship with anyone besides being in a secure, you're going to feel a bit drained in one way or another. And it's not like in a way of like that person's an awful person, but you might notice like, we'll talk about um, avoidant attachment. We'll talk about all those different things too, but there'll be different ways that you'll notice how it plays in with your emotions. But with anxious, it may feel like you are fulfilling, you needing to fulfill the need constantly, right? So you might feel like, in a relationship with someone where you are kind of constantly needing to fulfill their need or they're requesting you fulfill their need, you might recognize that you are probably in a relationship with someone who has an anxious attachment style, if that's what you're noticing day in and day out. I think the other, the opposite end of that is that people with an attachment, an anxious attachment style, they can also be very present in relationships so that you mm-hmm. actually may feel very like this person is very attuned to me and they really care about me and they're doing kind of those behaviors because their anxiety moves them to yeah. constantly reassure you just like their anxiety moves them to constantly need reassurance. And so in dealing with um, anxious from a secure place, you may say like someone may have a big response and you're like, why are they responding that way? they were actually anxious about something that you weren't anxious about. And so mm-hmm. you're seeing that dif- that difference. And it's not positive or negative. It's just that their anxiety exists in a way that you're not. Like we start, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jen. Oh, I was just saying, because you're, you're feeling secure in that moment. Like we started this podcast, not this podcast episode, but the podcast in general off, that all emotions give us information. And someone with an anxious attachment style feeling anxious more often in a relationship is getting more information that is more intense more often than someone in a secure attachment style. And so it's kind of like um, if someone has a barometer, tells about the the atmospheric pressure, if a barometer goes down, there's going to be a storm. If the barometer goes up, there's not going to be a storm. Usually we call that good weather. Someone uh, with an anxious attachment style has a very finely tuned barometer. Any kind of change in pressure in the relationship uh, is very worrisome for them because they're worried that something has changed in the relationship in a very significant way. Whereas um, someone with a secure attachment style is like, ah, yeah, just tired. It's okay. We'll just have a nap. It'll be fine. Someone with an anxious attachment style might feel if someone is tired that they're not being responsive. Have I done something wrong? Um, are they thinking about someone else? They'll go to um, what to someone else might feel like a more extreme place, but the anxiety is giving them information that we are not feeling, and so we're not getting that information. So I'm going to talk about the term ghosted, right? That's a very common term, right? So let's talk about what it feels like when you're ghosted in secure attachment is that's where that that person is not responding. I'm okay. My anxiety just went up. Um, <laughs> but then, you, but you then when surely you... haven't experienced that. <laughs> but, look what? at me. Who will? Well, no. But then, ghosted could mean different things. Like, so when someone says I was ghosted, one of my first question is, "What do you mean?" Well, they haven't called me back for an hour. 
okay, so your anxiety goes up after an hour, that's informational, right? Other people might say ghosted means they haven't called me back for four months. Okay, you're right. You got ghosted. That's how it went. And there's probably some in between there for different relationships. I was going to say, but, I think that's, I think that's a test more like ghosted as a term definitely is a lack of communication. And then there's different levels, obviously, of what that, what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, like my dad went to go get cigarettes and never came back. He ghosted you. <laughs> Best thing that ever happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a true story. Um, <laughs> where, where, with my own history. <laughs> where somebody staying awake could be healthy. Like if somebody's like super angry and they're dysregulated and then they won't call me back. Right. And I might feel anxious because they're not talking to me and resolving it right now. It could actually be healthy for them to withdraw for a short period of time and then come back when they're calmer. Well, I think you mentioned this that original question, like how does someone with a secure attachment handle? I think first of all, it's about looking at the facts. You're being mindful. You're using your wise mind and you're saying, okay, has it been an hour? Has it been three days? Right. And also looking into the idea, and this may seem like someone who's been obviously like, you know, maybe he's making too many excuses for someone, but looking and saying, did they start off this break saying, Hey, I'm about to go and, you know, go into a class for the next hour. I can't have my phone. Just wanted to let you know. Right. Or, Hey, I'm about to go on a family vacation. Could they be lying? Absolutely. But someone with a secure attachment is going to be like, okay, sounds good. Right. And I think that's part of that reaction you're looking at too, with secure attachment, having a situation like that, it would be someone who's just like, all right, like until they tell me that they're free, you know, I'll just wait. Right. Rachel knows that I can't have access to my phone during session. Like, hold, stop telling me about your trauma. My wife just texted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but with anxious attachment, it's going to be the person who is like constantly texting. Are you ready now? Are you okay? Are you there? Are you ignoring me? And then not only texting them, but I think they often will have like their quote unquote support system. They're texting to where they're saying like, he didn't text me and it's been five days, right? Or he didn't text me and it's been 20 minutes. What the crap? He's been texting me back every two minutes for the last hour, right? And so I think there is that noticeable difference within that of someone not saying like, I'm okay with what's happening. Again, we're not saying that they're like a victim, but they're a creator of the situation. They're looking into it and saying like, I know I can make this a situation where I'm going to do my own thing. And then when they're available, they will talk to me, right? It's also going back to what we mentioned in the last episode. It's about when you feel anxious, who do you feel is responsible for your anxiety, right? So that's a good question. So say something does happen and it's uncomfortable and you are anxious and there is rejection or withdrawal from you. Do you think that you is your first action to go pursue them to the point of like they have to fix this? Or do you, like, and maybe it's even healthy to text another friend and say, hey, I got ghosted and, like, that sucks. And they can say, you're right, that totally, that's not fair. And if they even have some intimacy, they may say, I know that that happened in a different relationship, so I bet that's really triggering. Again, I'm not taking on their anxiety, but I'm just giving some empathy for what someone's experiencing. That would be okay if I'm saying hey, so this person didn't call me back, so now I'm going to need you to reassure me and immediately pet me. 
which means soothe, comfort me to the point where I can get back into my wise mind. That's about making other people responsible for your emotions. And so really asking yourself of, it's not about not being anxious or anxious. It's about who do you make responsible? Continuing down that line of thinking, um, in a relationship, we have contribution, right? The relationship we could say is purple and I'm red and someone else is, is blue. Uh, together, the relationship makes a color. And so um, if I want the relationship to change, I can just change my contribution and the other person does have to change, but the relationship naturally changes, right? And so if someone has done something that contributes to a situation or contributes to the relationship in a way that is unhelpful, we can talk to them and be like, hey, you know, I, I feel angry when you X, Y, or Z, or hey, I feel a little anxious when um, you don't text me for three days, but I can see that you've read my text messages and I know you're in town and that you're not at work, something like that. That's not the same as telling someone to manage my emotions. That's like, hey, yeah, this has impacted me and I'd like to talk about it. Um, that's not asking to be rescued. That's not asking for someone else to take care of it. That's like, hey, let's talk about what's going on. And if the other person is like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do anything, that's all about you, then that's not a very helpful way to look at contribution or to look at a relationship. Right. So if a partner came to you and say, hey, I, it really bothered me you didn't respond for three days, I felt a lot of anxiety, you wouldn't be like, well, that's your problem. You would say, oh, I didn't realize that that caused a lot of anxiety. That wasn't my intention to cause anxiety. Here's what I was doing. Um I'm still invested in this if you're still invested in it. I'm not saying, let me manage your anxiety and promise to text you every four hours like clockwork so you don't have to manage your own anxiety, right? Or if it happens again, um, then you're a terrible person for having anxiety. It's really just accepting it and saying, how do we uh, contribute to both solving the problem and making it a little bit better within our own realm? Right. It, it's different than saying um, I'm anxious. You have to text me every so often or you're bad. That's about asking the other person to manage versus saying I'm anxious. So if you haven't contacted me after 24 hours, I'm probably going to be working on my coping skills and I'm going to feel disconnected. Right. It's like Rachel, I imagine. Yeah, you and Matt, you know, know yeah. each other's work schedules pretty well. Um, so, like, if Rachel doesn't hear from me after my day is done and it's been a while, she's going to get worried. And I also like talking to Rachel. So if it's yeah. been an hour after I'm done at work, she's going to be wondering where I'm at. And so that's very understandable way that I would impact her. So yeah. it's usually like, hey, something came up. I'm so sorry. I'm going to be a little later, something like that. Yeah. And when when we do that and it's outside the norm or something, it's OK. Anxiety is not bad. It's just information. It's just asking myself and go back to the podcast. But it's just like I'm doing a safety check real quick. And it's again, it's about saying, is it OK? So so if I am somebody who did grow up and didn't get my needs met and had a lot of triggers and I realize I'm an anxious person, you can learn skills to manage that anxiety without having somebody else be the one who manages it for you. Yeah. So going back to just in general, an anxious attachment style, that's not that no other uh, attachment style has anxiety. This one just has a higher level of anxiety in the attachment style. 
And if you are trying to move out of that anxiety, it's about identifying what the need is that you're trying to get met. Um, It's about how are you willing to look at how to get that need met, right? Am I relying on others to meet the need or am I going to help myself do what needs to happen to meet that need? So I think it's not that we're saying get out of anxious attachment. It's an awful thing. It's about saying, okay, recognize what's going on. When you can at least acknowledge that you have that attachment style and when you can acknowledge what it is that you need to be doing to, um, you know, find the needs that that anxious part of you needs to have fulfilled, you're actually going to slowly migrate into the more secure attachment without recognizing. And it's not because you're all of a sudden like, I got to be healthier, got to be healthier, got to be healthier, got to be secure. It's because you're looking at it and saying, oh, I'm actually allowing myself to meet my needs. I now feel a little more rounded. The other thing to be aware of when you're when you're in a relationship with somebody who has an anxious attachment style and trauma, right? So we can have anxiety without trauma because that's just a normal human emotion. But sometimes relationships trigger past trauma. And the, and what happens is, is the situation right in this minute is bringing up the trauma so it feels present. And so their anxiety isn't just about the present situation. It may be a, a, a traumatized level of anxiety. And so when you see that and you're like, oh my gosh, my partner is so anxious and I don't understand why they're this anxious. This doesn't make sense based on our relationship or it doesn't make sense based on what I'm doing. Instead of getting defensive and telling them, hey, you're wrong, don't be anxious, by the way, is the worst thing to say to somebody who's anxious. It's like start asking questions of like, tell me, like you seem really upset. Tell me what's going on. What do you, what did you see happen? You know, and as a therapist, if they're struggling with that on a regular basis, we go into what happened before that created this so that we can desensitize triggers. And so that's just an awareness that sometimes as we're getting to know people as adults, we don't always know their triggers. And so when you see an exaggerated response, be aware that may or may not be about you. It actually could be about them and and showing up in empathy and in curiosity can be really helpful. In 1962, there was a family doctor that published a book about a practical guide to raising children. And he saw any kid's need as being uh, as not a need. So if a baby cried, you shouldn't pick up the baby. Uh, If a kid uh, uh, complained, they didn't really need it. And so you should never respond to a baby or a kid's need. Otherwise, they would grow up to be socialists. And that is what happened with the world. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty funny. And I, so that it's obviously. You say not, funny, I'm disturbed, but. Sorry, whatever. not funny, haha. Funny, terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, of course it was. Right. Yeah, of course it was. Um, when we were all ignoring all of our limbic responses. Yeah. And so um, ignoring a child's cry, um, things like this. Um, that ignoring any needs as that doctor recommended in his book is capital T trauma. That's, that's very real trauma. Not that lowercase T trauma isn't real trauma. Uh, it's just more traditional trauma that you think of when you hear the word trauma. Um, and trauma like that um, is often the root of an anxious attachment style of, as you've both been saying, I'm not having your needs met leads to an anxious attachment style that if I am not next to someone, if I am not close to them emotionally, then I won't have my needs met. And the body is a really, really like, you know, um, 
oh my gosh, what's the word to bounce back? Resilient. Resilient. That's the word. The body's a really resilient thing in the sense of, and the mind and all of that. And you may have grown up in a situation like that, but once you start learning and once you start healing, your body can go back to, you know, factory settings of, you know, the 50% of people have secure attachment when they're children kind of thing. And so I think it's an important thing to look at it and say like, okay, if you did grow up at a home that followed that doctor's counsel, that did those kinds of things, right? Um, first of all, sorry. Second of all, uh, it's okay in the sense of if you are looking, not saying like it's okay to intentionally do that to people, but if you have recognized that that was something that was done to you, but now you're doing the work, you won't be like 30 steps behind. You'll be able to work to be in a secure place, okay? So I think by acknowledging, like that's that's the whole point of acknowledging that there is anxiety and acknowledge that there is that kind of a feeling, um, that anxious attachment if you acknowledge it, you then have a better chance to get to the point of being in a secure zone. So I think for you, those who are listening, it's the resiliency of the body and of the mind and of the emotions is very, very high. We're built to survive. And so I think just being able to acknowledge that that is something that happened is one step. And then going from there, you get to know what else you need to be doing to fulfill those needs. And then you're able to get to the point of feeling secure and moving from there. So, oh, I wanted to go over a couple, just a couple ways that we like, maybe anxiety shows up in a unhealthy way. Cause we talked about how to do it healthy. So excessive, we talked a little about excessive attempts to establish contact or force someone to respond, right? Excessive texting, calling or messaging that, mm-hmm. that is a sign of anxiety. That's not that, means you need to manage your own versus waiting withdrawing meaning i'm not i'm now ignoring you because i'm so anxious and what happened it goes more into our next attachment style keeping score like saying it took you four hours this time and five hours this time right and then waiting for an apology can be unhealthy um acting hostile meaning that you know when somebody tries to do a healthy repair um, kind of rejecting them and being uh, avoidant of reconnecting. Threatening to leave ultimatums if you don't manage my emotions. That's not healthy anxiety. Manipulations, right? Um, where you are trying to catch someone doing something and then making someone else feel jealous so that they will recommit to your relationship or reinvest those are all kind of unhealthy things that happen in anxiety attachments and so if we notice that we're doing those things we we, i definitely would start to recommend that you talk to a therapist about how to um how to work on that level of anxiety because you're in that place where it's really starting to disrupt life Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We'd love to hear from you.